Good evening, all you Colorado Avalanche and NHL fans across the Denver metro area. It's time for another edition of In the Crease Avalanche Review. Uh, I am here, Scott Cole, with my buddy Mike Herschel. Howdy, everybody. Happy New Year. And a Happy New Year to everybody. Yes, I know we've said this before. Uh, it's, again, user error on my part with our last episode. I uh, forgot to exit out of an episode in order to create a new episode. So what I ended up doing was creating a two-hour-long segment for everybody's enjoyment on Christmas morning. So if you opened up that Christmas present, I apologize. I know it's hard to sit and listen to one hour of a podcast, let alone two hours of a podcast. So uh, personally, I broke it down into two segments in my head when I went back and listened to it. So again... I apologize. I made a mistake, and although the Anchor FM app is very simple to use and understand, apparently my brain did not compute. Yeah, we're getting the technical stuff out of the way, Scott. That's all it is. Oh, yeah, we're just getting everything settled and done and uh, getting all the user errors out of the way early instead of late into the game when we have, you know, however many followers we have in the future. Um so, last episode, we talked a bit on um, the elite prospects that are playing in the World Junior Championships, what to expect, and here we are. Um, group play is now over, and um, both Team USA and Team Canada advanced into the quarterfinals, and should they advance even farther after tonight, yes, it is January 2nd when we record this, and um, quarterfinals are happening as we speak. Mm -hmm. um, Canada is taking on, I believe, uh, Switzerland, and Team USA plays Slovakia later on this evening. Yeah, 8.30, I think, our time. Yeah. So, um, both teams are heavily favored to win their matchups. Um, I don't think we're going to quite see the blowouts we saw in the group play. No more 16 to 2? No more 16 to 2s, or 11 to zeros <laughs> or 8 to Z, you know, whatever, you know. Team USA had two shutouts in their last two games, so uh, but I don't expect to see you know such a such a, a wide scoring margin uh, in the quarterfinals. Everybody kind of ratchets down. It's it's big for these for these players, these nineteen and eighteen year old players, to go out and perform the best they possibly can. I mean, a lot of these guys are uh, prospects who are getting ready to go say hello to their their teams as training camps open up tomorrow across the NHL. I, Avalanche have already uh, extended an invite to uh, Bowen Byram, which for me was a surprise. Yeah, yeah, that surprised me too. Uh, so, um, diving in, we're going to check on how everybody's done in the World Junior Championship, starting with Drew Hellison of Team USA. Hit me. Um, so, across his four, group, uh, four games in group play, uh, he's gotten two goals, one assist, and a plus five, plus five rating on the ice. I mean, as a defenseman, that's kind of what what you want to see. Absolutely. Uh, especially in such a short window. Mm -hmm. Two goals and assists. I mean, in four games, that's impressive for me when it comes to a defender. Um. So, um, unfortunately, he did not get he did not get an invite. I didn't think he would get an invite um, going into the season uh, from the abs this season. To be fair, I didn't even think Byram was going to get an invite because I believe Bowen Byram is supposed to be playing with the Vancouver Giants of the WHL. Um, I don't. We haven't looked in to see whether uh, the WHL is operating this season or not, and how that's going to affect uh, 
affect Byram in the long term. Right. Um, but we'll we'll dive more into that in a little bit. Um, Alex Newhook, uh, we'll dive into the Team Canada side of it. Sorry, cat's on the notes, gotta move the cat. <laughs> uh, Alex Newhook for Team Canada, uh, two goals, three assists for a total of five points, and it looks like a plus seven on the stat sheet, and um, he's, a, he's a forward, so you kind of expect them to put up a, a fair, fair amount of points. Uh, his best game was against uh, Germany in that first game. Two goals, one assist, uh, three points, and a plus four that game. Wow. So, and um, I believe that was a game that Canada, you know, kind of opened a can of twisted tea. <laughs> Very nicely put. <laughs> 16 to 2. That, that That's a twisted tea moment right there if yeah. I've ever seen one. Absolutely. Uh, Bowen Byram, uh... That first game, he was a plus eight. He was on the ice for a lot of goals, but uh, he only had one assist. Um, and two assists overall for uh, for the group play stage at the World Junior Championships. Um, but, you know, a solid plus 13 overall um, on the ice. So he's contributing, whether he's, you know, passing and he's, you know, that third person out that touched the puck. To get the puck into the offensive zone, he's doing his part as a defenseman um, to move the puck down the ice and get his team into a scoring position. And he's had a couple of amazing no-look passes from some of the highlights I've seen uh, at the World Junior Championships. Well, he's he's obviously making his way as a defenseman. He's kind of coming into his own as far as team play goes. Uh, plus thirteen over a weeks for a weeks worth full of games. Four games plus thirteen. That's pretty impressive. I mean. Even with the high-scoring offense that Canada has, to be a part of 13 of your team's goals in group play is uh, not an easy task. Not at all. Not at all. Um, and I think that might be part of the reason why Bo and Byram got the, got the invite from the Avalanche organization to um, a, at least attend training camp. Um, if, if the WHL is... Uh, is uh, not going, then we don't uh, quite know if uh, he would, he, you know, if he would make the opening team or not. Uh, pulling up the WHL uh, stuff right now, uh, they have announced an opening date as of uh, January eighth. Okay. Um, for their for their regular season, so um, I assume that this is just to give Bowen Byram some more conditioning in order for him to be prepared to join the Vancouver Giants and uh, perform perform for them, um, as I believe he's set to do. And our final player, Justin Barron. Again, only two assists um, and a plus two mark in that first game against Germany, and he's been held off the score sheet as far as the last three games. He did get a plus one mark against Switzerland, um, but he's getting some limited... He's had limited ice time compared to that first game. The first game, he had ni over 19 minutes okay. in time on ice. Um, game two, 14.40. Game three against Switzerland, 13 minutes and 16 seconds. And game four against Finland, 
12 minutes and 41 seconds. So you, you see a, a steady decrease in overall time played uh, for Team Canada on the ice as the group play stage um, continued. Um, is that a sign of uh, some of his issues we highlighted in the last episode? Um, his plus minus, I don't think, was great in our you know when we discussed him in our last episode. But I think he also had a, a uh, with the Halifax Mooseheads. I think in his first season there, he had uh, a huge increase in penalty minutes, and that's one stat I didn't look at with the World Junior Championships was who took what penalties. Mm -hmm. I know. Um, one of those games Team Canada played, there were, uh, you know, come down, come on down to the county fair here, you know, in the penalty box. So, I don't know if that was a something, a trend that continued or not. Well, I think looking at the stats, especially if the if the time goes from nineteen down to twelve, I mean, that's seven minutes. You're doing something wrong. Exactly. You're obviously not, you know, maintaining the mindset that you need to be. At that level, especially seven minutes, pat, or you know, seven minutes less than what, what your you, first what you were playing in that first the, game that yeah. you started at. You know, your coaches are obviously not happy with your play. That is obvious. Now, how how bad is his play, or how maybe it's just like a hiccup that hey, he just didn't want to be there, or, or what? I mean, maybe I have no clue. It may have been. I, I could see it as a potential hiccup. I mean, you think about it. Justin Barron is wearing is wearing the C on his jersey for the Halifax Mooseheads uh, this season. So, obviously, Halifax sees something in Justin Barron. He is a twenty twenty draft draft pick for the Avalanche. Uh, the only one out of these four players uh, to um, be a twenty twenty draft pick. Uh, New Hook, New Hook, Byram, and um, Drew Hellison were all 2019 picks uh, for the Avalanche in their in that draft. So, um, is it maybe a bit of inexperience playing outside of the system that he played with uh, Halifax, uh, or is it maybe it's a chemistry issue? Who knows? Uh, there's a lot that goes into it, but uh, I I would expect uh, Baron to probably get even you know. To stick around that 12-minute mark or even less um, um, tonight for uh, Team Canada as they uh, as they go into their their matchup against uh, Switzerland, I believe, for the uh, quarterfinal matchup. Um, with that being said, uh, we do want to tell people, you know, take take these stats with a grain of salt. Uh, the World Junior Championships is a quick-paced. And it's it, it's literally like a couple. It's like a two week period of hockey for these for these individuals. So we're not expecting them to blow up the stat sheet like you're playing rookie mode on NHL 21 <laughs> or something. But um, you know, it's it's a good test of their of, of their ability to adapt to potentially a, a new coaching strategy than what they're used to on the teams they play for uh, to play with players they've never played with or haven't played with for within a while, depending on um, how they came up through the systems. And uh, just a completely different philosophy and playing on, playing on, a, on a, bigger, a bigger stage mm -hmm. than what they may be used to with uh, a Boston College or Halifax or Vancouver Giants. Who knows? 
um, Boston College. Not to say Boston College doesn't play on a big stage in the NCAA because they're a perennial favorite to to reach the you know the, the Frozen Four every, every single year. I mean they're that good at recruiting and staying consistent. Um, but fighting for a gold medal in the IIHF World Junior Championships, this is this is how a lot of countries mark some of their young talent is uh, how well they perform in these, you know, these these world tournaments. Absolutely. And and kind of, you know, adding on to that and continuing from earlier, I mean, this is a small sample size. Super, super small. So, uh, I think as a younger player, maybe, like you said, adapting to coaching strategies could, could potentially, I mean, we could say what it is. It does have a, an effect because you're obviously not used to whatever system that coach might be. Or if you are, it's just taught differently, you know? And another thing is, I mean, when's the last time these kids played? Aside from, you know, recently. Prior to this, when's the last time they played? Well, I think with the exception of uh, Byram, who's playing with Vancouver Giants, uh, I think all the other players are uh, have participated or played at some point before the juniors. Um, I believe the Quebec Junior Majors is in action. I think they had only played about four or five games before uh, the World Junior Championships uh, were announced mm-hmm. and players were selected or went to uh, their respective teams' uh, training camps to earn a, earn a roster spot for the Junior Championships. And then uh, uh, Boston College, NCAA has been playing um, for a while. Uh, I think they were about ten games into their season before they... Uh, jumped over to their World Junior Championship teams to uh, to fight for those roster spots. Right. So um, some, some of the guys probably had more experience than others and were, you know, ready to go and had their legs underneath them and everything. I, I think the exception there might have been Byram. Okay. But, uh, you know, still, obviously the Avalanche, you know, the Avalanche front office is watching the World Junior Championships. I mean, what else are you going to do? You're not playing <laughs> hockey right now. Uh, so there's nothing to watch on the uh, the ice down at uh, Ball Arena uh, or what uh, most people still call Pepsi Center or the Can. The Can. I actually had, uh, I ran into some people earlier this morning and uh, they were like, oh, we're going to call it the Jar. The Jar. Why is that? Ball Arena makes, uh, you know, or Ball Corp makes mason jars the wow. jar i was like okay i kind of get it it's kind of cool wow you know re- a little retool and play on the can from pepsi mm-hmm. the jar from ball uh kind of you know genius in my in my <laughs> point point of view so i was like all right cool i'll, I'll kind of run with that and uh thanks to those guys for putting that thought into my head uh give credit where it's due go down to the jar okay, okay. so uh we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we're going to dive in and talk about um, training camps. Uh, training camp opens up January 3rd, which is tomorrow. I know most of you guys are going to listen to this podcast until the 5th, so uh, bear with me. But we'll be back in just a moment. And welcome back. Hello! Uh, obviously, we don't have any commercial breaks for you guys to listen to while we sit and we collect ourselves as we get ready for the next segment. But um, just to let you know, we did have a solid chuckle over some uh, technical bugs that we've seen in NHL 21. 
and we'll we'll dive into that uh, a little bit later. Both of us are avid hockey fans and have our own be a pros and everything, uh, and we can we can dive into the fun of that uh, here in a little bit. Um, but anyways, as we move forward, uh, it was announced earlier today, um, roughly about noon, uh, the Avalanche announced their 40-man roster invita uh, invite to training camp. And let me, let me tell you, there's tons of names we know, and there's some names um, that are new to us. And uh, we'll go ahead and dive into it. We'll start with the goaltenders that got invites. Um, it's obviously the four goaltenders, two from the Avs roster last year, and the two who spent majority of the season down with the Colorado Eagles in the AHL. Um, and numerical order, you have Adam Werner wearing number 30, Philip Grubauer number 31, uh, number 32, Hunter Miska, and number 39, Pavel Francouz. Um, I think we're both in agreement that Philip Grubauer and Pavel Francouz are going to be our two goaltenders going into the season. Um, I believe, um, and uh, our listeners can correct me if I am wrong, I, you know, I've already made mistakes on this podcast anyway, so <laughs> please correct me if I'm wrong. Uh, but I believe the NHL guidelines in regards to this upcoming season state that all NHL teams have to carry three goalies uh, on their between their active roster and their taxi squad. Uh, for those of you who don't know what the taxi squad is, it's a group of, I think, four to six players that travel with the team and practice with the team throughout the entire season, and they're there in case of an emergency, say, God forbid, any of our players catch COVID-19 during the season and have to go on quarantine and uh, miss some, some time. Um, some time, I mean, you know, I believe the, I believe it's a two-week, a 14-day period uh, for most people, uh, which in NHL terms could be anywhere from three to five games. In a typical season, right? Yeah, in a typical season. I mean, this year it may be anywhere from three to six <laughs> games. Um, and if you break that down, missing six games out of a 56-game season might not seem significant to most, but uh, kind of is. And I, but I have complete faith in the NHL and what they've done with their with their setup. I mean, we look back to um, the Edmonton and Toronto bubbles, and the NHL had a successful bubble where nobody tested positive. They were testing people every single day. And I think NHL players were like, got it. Don't invite anybody in. Don't go anywhere. I'm not supposed to do it. Go. And I'm here to play hockey. So I'm just going to sit in my room and do nothing. Well, they didn't do nothing. I mean, we got we got to look at the, you know, I think it was Tyson Jost or uh, somebody gave us a tour of the Avalanche, um, you know, where they were at and how their setup was and their kitchen area, their cafeteria, and, you know, the guidelines they took and stuff. Uh, if You know, it was aired through altitude or something like that. Mm -hmm. It was kind of cool to see that it wasn't just like, you're stuck in your room, stay in this box, and then we'll transport you from that box <laughs> into another box so you can do training. And then from that training, we'll transport you to the arena where you'll play your hockey game. And then once you're done there, shower, and we'll transport you back to your box. Right. 
Um, so it, it wasn't necessarily like that, but um, I think it speaks to the maturity of all NHL players in realizing that hockey fans and you know just want just want to see them on the ice, just want to see them play some hockey, and keep keep each other safe. That's why hockey fans, to, at least in my eyes, are the most dedicated fans of all professional sports. That will, that view of mine will never change, ever. <laughs> well, not only that, but I, I see hockey fans as being a little more... Um, I mean, you get your diehard fans for every every team. I mean, you know, bleed burgundy and blue, bleed this color, bleed that color. But it's at the same time, like, I'm pretty... I, you've been at games with me, and we've sat there, and, you know, you get... The Boston fan across the way, and it's like, hey, go screw yourself, screw you, buddy. But at the end of the day, you know, you sit there, the game's over, regardless of who won, you know, both sides are like, dude, that was a good game. Mm-hmm. You know, well fought, you know, I hate you, I hate your team, you know, but that was a good game. Right. You know, after the game, you know, even the fans in the stands, they might fight and argue with each other, but they can turn around and they can, uh, you know, pat each other on the back or, you know, that cordial handshake and be like, Better team won today. Yeah, yeah. hockey I mean, family, man. Yeah, it, it is what it is. We can fight each other and beat each other up. We'll sit in the box for two minutes, <laughs> and then we'll come back out with smiles on our face, be like, "That was a good fight, bro." See you next time. Yeah, exactly. Right. Uh, so uh, we'll move on to our uh, our defenseman, our defenseman that got invites. Um, um, Bowen Byram, for me, was a surprise, and we touched on this a bit in our first part of the first part of the podcast got invited to uh, attend training camps. Um, I think it was just mainly possibly to get him ready for the WHL, which we said starts on January 8th, which is five days after training camps open, which is literally Friday. Right. Next Friday. Um, So it might just be to get him a little more experience, um, see what he's got, and see how he's feeling. Uh, But I, I, I caution fans to not look at them and be like, oh, my God. Oh my god! Oh my god! Oh my god! He's on the roster. He's on the roster. He's on the roster. No, (laughs) he's gotten an invite to training camp. He's going to spend some time with the team. He's probably going to talk to the front office a bit. And uh, when the WHL does start, he's going to go finish this season with the Vancouver Giants. And we will most definitely see him next season um, after the expansion draft. I don't think the Avs necessarily want to burn up a year of his of his entry-level contract uh, on a 56-game season, um, especially with COVID and everything else. So, enjoy it. You know, I, I would say go watch a training camp, but we can't go to training camp. <laughs> so, um, pay attention to the NHL.com app. Pay attention. To, uh, give us a give us your time, and we'll try to give you guys as much information on Bowen Byram as we possibly can leading up to uh, the start of the season. But I do not expect him to crack the uh, opening day roster. I don't think he, I don't think he's even allowed to with his WHL contract. So um, we shall see. Um, moving on. Dan Renouf, uh, number five, uh, is also joining us. Um, Eric Johnson, longtime Av. Uh, Devin Tays, newcomer, wearing number seven. Um, came over from the New York Islanders in a trade. Thank you, Joe Sackick, and your magicness. Um, he still pulls rabbits out of the hat, and it's just like, you know, uh, a master of misdirection, I would say. I think it was uh, you or somebody else I was talking to, and they were like, 
yeah, we heard Joe Sack explaining chess while everybody else is playing checkers. I'm like, no, 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 no. It's Joe Sackick is playing 3D chess and everybody else is playing Chinese checkers. That's what it seems like when it comes to the GMs. Like, for him to pull off some of these amazing deals is just incredible. Um, But Devin Tate's World War number 7 for the Abs this year and uh, is slotted to make a significant impact. Mm -hmm. Um, Everybody's rookie of the year from last year, Kale McCarr. Attaboy! Um, uh, another trade piece we got, this guy from uh, the Chicago Blackhawks, Dennis Gilbert's wearing number nine. I expect him to um, play with the Eagles um, unless he earns a spot into the uh, the taxi squad. Mm-hmm. Uh, Connor Timmons is wearing a new number this year. He's going to be wearing number 22. A lot of people are like, well, that's Colin Wilson's number. Um, for those of you who don't know, Colin Wilson is no longer in the NHL. Uh, he put out an article, I think, in October. I think it was late last year. Yeah, yeah, it was. It was after the playoffs. Mm-hmm. Um, he parted. He, he parted ways with the Avalanche organization on uh, mutual terms. Uh, his contract was up, and the Avalanche. He's forever. He's him himself said he was forever grateful to the Avalanche organization for everything they had done for him in his career here. Uh, for those of you who don't know. Colin Wilson battled with his mental illness and OCD, um, and it just really never uh, worked out for him. He was constantly tired. His uh, The travel schedule and everything else really got to him, um, but he is making steps to help future hockey players uh, at all levels um, with any potential mental illness issues they may come up with. I believe they said he was opening up a center or something in Texas. Okay. Um, to help others right. with their with their issues, having been an NHL player and dealing with his mental illness and everything else. So uh, it's really great to see what Colin Wilson's up to. And definitely, I think, a story we should dive more into on uh, uh, a future episode when Absolutely. we get a chance. There was no ill will from Colin Wilson either, Absolutely right? not. Yeah. I didn't think um, so. He, you know, and all, he was listed as out with an injury most of last year, mm-hmm. uh, just to protect his anonymity with uh, with his mental illness and everything. And they, the Abs, didn't want to step on his toes, of course not, and to let him address his issues when he was ready to address it. Got it. Which was a classy move from the Avalanche organization. What else would you expect from the Abs, man? Uh, a Stanley Cup. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. Which is coming soon. <laughs> uh, I, I, I am very hopeful that a Stanley Cup is coming to this team relatively soon. Yes. Um, Ryan Graves coming off of that plus 40 mark last year, mm. leading the NHL, uh, is back. Ian Cole, I believe this is Ian Cole's last year uh, with the Avalanche. He's, uh, I think this is his, yeah, his last year of his contract. So, um, win or go home. Exactly. Um, Jacob McDonald, uh, number 34. Samuel Girard. Uh, Peter Tischke, or Tischk, however you want to say it. Uh, Keaton Middleton, um, his brother currently plays for the Los Angeles Kings. So if he does make the roster, that should make for some interesting uh, family gossip. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Kind of like the Kachucks. Yeah. Ottawa and Calgary. Mom! <laughs> <laughs> I said stop it! Uh, so we'll see what happens there. Uh-huh. And then uh, number 88, Kyle Burrows. This is a veteran uh, defenseman. Uh, we picked him up uh, in addition to Devin Tays from the New York Islanders. 
Um, so I, I, I'd be uh, surprised. Uh, he might make, I, I see him on the taxi squad, if not part of the active roster. Uh, you can only carry 23 players on the active roster mm -hmm. out of 40. Uh, if you do the simple math, that's 12 forwards that makes up your, 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 your four lines. Uh, six defensemen for your three pairings. That's 18, and two goalies makes 20. So it means three players are probably going to make your active roster. It depends on how the Avalanche want to uh, work it. Um, would they? I, I I could see them probably going an additional two forwards and a defenseman, or two defensemen and a forward, just depending on the overall health of the team uh, moving forward. Who's? Uh, I could see them starting out early with. Two, two defensemen and a forward just uh, to give the goalies uh, keep the goalies healthy and I see a lot of block shots coming yeah mm -hmm. so uh, we'll see what Jared Bednar has coming down the pipe and I guarantee you everything will be tailored for the team by Jared Bednar because absolutely. he knows every single player right now. <laughs> Jared Bednar has been with this team for what three seasons now at least yeah uh, going, I think this is him going into his fourth season, and a lot of people are like, oh, he can't get us over the hump, blah, blah, blah. Uh, no, that's not the case. I mean, you look at the last two playoff runs that the Avalanche have had. Uh, Mike obviously agrees with, disagrees with me, I think, is what I just got from him. But uh, you, injuries have been the issue when it comes to the playoffs for the uh, Colorado Avalanche. You know, you lost, you lost a couple of key... Uh, key players, gritty type players after the the series with Arizona Coyotes. I think Jonas Donskoy and Matt Calvert both went down with uh, concussion related symptoms um, which knocked them out of the playoffs uh, for the next series and then eventually you lost both starting goaltenders in Philip Grubau and Pavel Francouz and uh, I surely can't forget Landis Scott going into the corner and getting a slice right about, you know, camel car skate just unfortunately coming up and catching Landeskog above his, uh, his, his right knee, I think it was. Something like that, yeah. And it cut through everything. Yeah. He came out, I think, between periods, like, hopped on the ice for 30 seconds, skated around, and he was like, nope. <laughs> uh, not happening. <laughs> so he was gone. Uh, as far as forwards go, here's who got invited to the... Uh, to, to, to play down at Ball Arena uh, for training camp purposes. Uh, Mika Solomaki is the right winger, wearing number 10. Uh, everybody's favorite, number 11, Matt Calvert. All heart Calvert, baby. I uh, can't wait to see that guy, you know, stand up to some people and be mm -hmm. like, you want to go? Yes. Uh, number 12, Jason Megna. Uh, most likely he will be the top center for the Colorado Eagles once they start up in February. Uh, Valeri Nichuskin. Choo-choo train! Shane Bowers, uh, Sheldon Dries, number 17, Tyson Jost, Mike Vecchione, or Vecchione, um, whichever way you want to say it. I don't think he's going to crack, crack the the 23-man roster, but uh, it'll be interesting to see what he does, uh, how the Avalanche view him after training camp. Um, the new number 20, Brandon Saad, coming yeah, from buddy. Chicago Blackhawks. That dude's gonna slot into your top two lines immediately. Yeah, um, I you know expect twenty plus goals from this guy. Everybody, uh, if you haven't watched him play with the Chicago Blackhawks, this dude is a legit winger, and whoever he's playing with, 
I expect him to put the puck in the net. Absolutely. Well, he's he's been consistent year after year after year. He's a twenty plus goal scorer yeah. year in year out. I can't wait to see him. He's uh, he's he's one of those guys. He was owed six million dollars um, with the Chicago Blackhawks, and uh, the, I don't know if it was a, if it was the Blackhawks ready to move on from him or if he was ready to move on from the Blackhawks because the Blackhawks have their own pit of misery right now, and we'll dive into that <laughs> later on in the show. Sad face. Uh, no pun intended. <laughs> Uh, for those of you who don't know, Mike Herschel is not only a fan of the Avalanche, but he found he found love uh, with hockey and the Blackhawks and what they've been able to do over the over the period of time. I hold nothing against him on that. Um, <laughs> Thanks, buddy. <laughs> I, I I grew up. For those of you who don't know, I grew up in uh, in Kentucky, Southwest Kentucky. Uh, you know, and I didn't know what hockey was until. Uh, I think 97 and my first introduction to hockey was the St. Louis Blues so um, my first love were and are or were the St. Louis Blues and then I learned who the Colorado Avalanche love are and fell more in love with hockey through the Avalanche um, so I, I hold I hold feelings for two teams as well fair enough but you know I hold an overall love for the NHL in general and what hockey means to a lot of us. I could sit and watch hockey for forever and yes. just be so content. But, you know, occasionally, you know, a new series on Netflix or something opens up and i gotta, I got to hit the pause button. Uh, uh, after Brendan saw, we have Logan O'Connor who kind of showed us that he could be, uh, he could be an elite player um, or just like a passionate player at the NHL level when he came in in the playoffs and was just flying up and down the ice, you know. Um, anytime you saw number 20, it's like a 25 drive-by or something going on right there. <laughs> but Logan O'Connor, uh, I, th I think we should see some great things from him. Uh, Nate the Great, number 29, Nathan McKinnon. Um, hopefully hmm. eventually he'll win an MVP sometime soon. It's got to happen. Yeah, I mean, it, it, everything's coming towards him, man. I mean, everything, it, everything's right there. He's barreling towards it. And, you know, it's kind of just like, can we get there already? Can we're we just right get there. there? I think we're going to be there because you look at the you look at the division he's playing and if some of these other teams, you know, the Kings, the Sharks, the, you know, these, these California teams just aren't great. Mm-mm. So I see a lot of goal scoring happening, <laughs> lots of points being put up in a in a short period of time. For sure, and uh, possibly that that might that might benefit uh, Nathan McKinnon over you know Connor McDavid, Leon Leonis Drysaitel, stuff like that. Uh, you know, most Canada teams are going to beat the crap out of each other. So. <laughs> Battle for Alberta, man! I can't wait to watch all ten games of that, man. <laughs> That's on my list, man. I'm like. <laughs> I, I am so there for the Battle of Alberta. Yes. Uh, other NHL fans, you guys know what we saw last season <laughs> uh, between Calgary and Edmonton, and they they that rivalry has been renewed like the Olympic flame. It just it died for a little bit, but it was never completely out. And then last year, it was just like, all right, we're doing this. Yeah. And it's back. I'm personally waiting to see Kazian punch Kachuk in the face repeatedly over and over and over again. Sweet, sweet music. <laughs> uh, so, uh, TJ Tynan, uh, number 36. JT Comper, number 37. 
Uh, 41, Pierre-Edouard Belmar. I can't wait to see that guy. That is such a motivator for this team. Uh, can't wait to see what he can do. Uh, uh, Kiefer Sherwood. I Kiefer. Believe Kiefer. Kiefer. Okay, never mind. I got it wrong. <laughs> <laughs> is there an A.A. Ron <laughs> Jaquelin? Jaquelin, where you at? <laughs> uh, so, uh, Martin Kaup. Uh, he was over in Europe playing for a period of time. Um, just keeping his legs fresh. The Avs did recall him. So he's back, number 60, we're in number 61. Uh, number 70, Nick Henry. Uh, and then our last five, you have number 72, Jonas Donskoy. Um, number 91, Nazem Kadri. I still can't believe that deal. What uh, else? Magic Joe, bro. That's all you got to say. Magic Joe, bro. He's just pulling strings and, oh, you guys have a disgruntled player in Kadri? He's, he cost you guys some playoffs? We'll take him. <laughs> okay. Uh, yeah, you know, dude was elemental in the Avs advancing on the playoffs. Uh, Captain Gabriel Landeskog, uh, number 95, Andre Burakovsky with a new deal, and number 96, Miko Rantanen in the second year of his new deal. That makes up our forwards, everybody. Um, quite the group. Uh, you know, man, you look up and down this roster and you just see talent jumping off the page. Uh, you know, Bar Jared Bednar is in such a position. Like, he can mix and match these lines to his heart's content and just put put together such a powerful, you know... Who, who do you stop? <laughs> I mean, which line, which line, you know... Which line can another team go out and play easy against? I, I, I don't see it. You know, honestly, man, it's, it's kind of like, you know, it's a good problem to have. You know, like the, the last year, oh, well, who do you start for the playoffs? Do you start uh, Grubauer or do you start Francois? Bro, it's a good problem to have. It's a good have, problem to have. Man. They both had a 920 save percentage, so I'm like, <laughs> pick one. <laughs> Flip, Flip a, a coin. coin. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it, like you said, Bednar could mix and match everybody on this list and still come up with a really good team. Oh yeah, I mean, you saw it. You saw it in games, uh, whether the Avalanche were ahead or behind, or the score was tied. They're just trying to, you know, uh, insert a little more momentum and stuff. You'd see Nathan McKinnon jump off the bench and play with any one of these lines, uh, or any of the lines, first through fourth. You know, just putting new people beside him, just trying to generate something. I mean, it it, it was amazing to see, and and it's the one thing like. I see on like an Avalanche fan page or something like that. Somebody's like, "What are your projected lineups? What are your projected lines?" And blah blah blah. And we're we're gonna do a little bit of that here on on the podcast today, uh, projecting our our what we think the lineups may look like. And uh, uh, I think in one space we're in agreement with a, with a certain center, and on the other side of it, I think with one of the wingers, we're like, oh, "I don't know about that," mm -hmm. um, but. Uh, it's like you said. It's such a good problem to have, being able to mix and match your centers. I mean, everybody, you know, the big issue two two seasons ago was all your scoring came from one line, and that was Landeskog, McKinnon, and Rantanen. Yeah, they I'm, put up they put up a ton of points, but you couldn't generate enough offense outside of that line, and that's what bit the Avalanche in the butt. Uh, you solved those three puzzle pieces, man. Yeah. You got everything else figured out. You close those three pieces down, and you're done. And what did the Avs go and do? They, you know, brought in Jonas Donskoy. They brought in Nazem Kadri in a trade. 
you know, Burakovsky came over from Washington because Washington was like, I don't know, we think he's a bust. <laughs> <laughs> well, and, and Valerie Nichushkin and from Valerie Dallas. Valerie Nichushkin from Dallas, you know, was a, was a top draft pick and wasn't doing a whole lot. Uh, you know, there was a lot of pressure put on him there, and then the Habs were like, dude, do your thing. You know, just go out, try to generate some offense, and see what happens. And, oh my God, did the choo-choo train come to town? I've been like, okay. Okay! Woohoo! Choo-choo you know, train! And, and he, he's been impressive. Uh, so, with that, we're going to dive into uh, discussing um, lineups. All right. You know, uh, what, what our lines look like, what our defensive pairing looks like. I have no idea about the defensive pairing, dude. There's so many ways you can play that. Yeah, and I, looking at only six, you know, you, you put six active defensemen on your roster, you know, with a potential two waiting in the wing. Yeah. You know, I mean... I pick. mean, where where do you go? I mean, for me, when it comes to defensemen, you know, making the active roster, I have Eric Johnson. I mean, Eric Johnson is, an, is the veteran on the team, uh, been with the team forever. Where's, where's an assistant patch for a reason? Um... You know, he's obviously there. Devin Tays, you just picked him up from New York. So he's there. There's two. Kale McCarr, rookie of the year. There's three. Um, Ryan Graves, you have to put him in there. He just uh, got a new contract. Ian Cole's there. That's five. And Samuel Girard makes your six, six defensemen. Mm-hmm. Um, on top of that, you have, you know, Kyle Burroughs is a, is a savvy veteran. So you, you could argue that he may see some ice time. As part of the active roster, and then you have uh, the, the you know Connor Timmins who stepped up big in the playoffs until Dallas knocked him out, uh, almost literally. <laughs> uh, but you know Connor Timmins has been that guy. Like he's he was supposed to be one of those uh, you know those, he was an elite prospect. He was supposed to make, you know be on the active roster, and concussions have kind of um, you know put him on this different track. Um, and you know, when he's healthy and he plays, he looks phenomenal. Mm-hmm. Um, so I could possibly see him if he's healthy, making the active roster as well. If not, maybe even the taxi squad. Yeah. Um, uh, but let's go back to those six players, Eric Johnson, Devin Tays, Kale McCarr, Ryan Graves, Ian Cole, and Sam Gerrard. Okay. What are the pairings going to look like? You know, I'm gonna put uh, my first pairing first right uh, uh, to to take the opening face off. All right, right as puck drops. Devin Taves and Kale McCarr. I'm calling it right now, man. That's gonna be your first pairing. Easy. Devin <laughs> Taves. And to me, Devin Taves is uh you know he's a defensive defenseman. Like he's able to help you out offensively. He obviously has very good hockey IQ. Mm-hmm. Kale McCarr. I mean, what else can you say? But zoom. <laughs> Not only At the end, <laughs> not, Kale McCarr reminds me of like a feather dancing through the breeze. <laughs> like you, you, you get those really fast moments, and you get those kind of swirls, and you know those really artistic falls and every you know, art, you know artistic falling through the air. Yeah. And just the way Kale McCarr glides on the ice sometimes, mm-hmm. um, I'm just like, how can you do it? I remember specifically there was one like he was skating down the left side. All of a sudden he just. Sliced his skate one way, and it looked like he just made a lateral move as he was moving in, and just he ended up scoring a goal on that play. Yeah. And you know, every, you know, even his own teammates were like, D- 
did that just happen? <laughs> and he's like, yeah. yeah. So? That happened. What? What about it? So, um, yeah, it's it's interesting. Uh, you, you say you say Devin Tays and Kale McCarr uh, as your first pairing, and I kind of I I can kind of see that. Um, What's your issue with it? I like I I don't see an issue with it. That's the thing. I'm like, oh, okay. You know, I like it, but I'm sitting there and I'm like, I really, you know, I really like the 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 concept of Ryan Graves and Kale McCarr. Okay. Um, you know. Ryan Graves again. You know, last season was so phenomenal for him um, compared to the the 2018 2019 season where you saw him up and down between the Eagles and the Abs. Mm-hmm. It, it it was just impressive to see him, uh, you know, burst onto the scene like that and blow everybody away with his ability to help move the puck and generate an offense while still maintaining his his ability as a defenseman he's a true two-way defenseman mm-hmm. you know offensively and defensively he's he's got that mind so i could see it uh working either way but i, I think it's a solid i think it's a solid pairing between devon Tays and uh kale mccarr there so uh your second pairing my second pairing i'm putting the veteran uh eric johnson eric johnson yeah with sam gerard Sam Gerard. Okay, so so what's the dynamic there? We know Sam Gerard's got the got the speed and a little a little more of the offensive gift than what Eric Johnson has. You know, the Condor doesn't exactly fly as often as he used to, but um, I think most Avalanche fans and uh, off, you know the management of the Avalanche aren't really expecting him to really put the puck in the net. Yeah, no, not at all. I look at him. You know, we we talked about we mentioned that he wears that a patch for a reason, right? He has that defensive mindset. He has that defensive skill set. He is that body to push people out of the way, whether it's Francois or whether it's Grubauer in that. He has that power, right? Mm-hmm. Something that we brought up, I think it was last segment or the segment before, could have been that part of that two-hour episode. Who knows, okay? Mm-hmm. But we brought it up to where, you know, when the Game 7 against the Dallas Stars, okay, that game-winning goal that gave, I think it was Heiskinen, or Heiskinen, yeah. his hat trick. R- rookie guy. Yeah. yeah. Gave him his hat trick to, to win Game 7 in overtime. Okay, Zadorov and Gerard were both sitting there at the opposite ends of, that, of, of the post. Just, just looking. Just yeah. staring at him, right? My belief is that Eric Johnson has that audacity, has that gall. If he can't get there, he's going to tell Gerard. Go get him! Like, yeah, yeah. He's gonna light a. He's got that lighter, right? He just needs to light that fuse. That is Samuel Gerard. Yeah. We've seen Samuel Gerard pull off the spinorama and leave a whole bunch of dudes like in the dust, like on the ice. We've oh, seen we, that we, before. We've been at the game, and you can hear the oh, oh going out throughout the crowd. So he's he's got he's got the skill, uh, which which you know, and I think Gerard's gonna have to prove himself this year, especially with the likes of. Uh, with Byram, Barron, and Hellison uh, kind of breathing down the neck, um, with oh, yeah. with uh, up and coming. Bowman Byram's going to be with the team next year after the expansion draft, mm-hmm. and the expansion draft itself is going to bring up some questions: who do the Avs protect, and who do the Avs uh, kind of expose or kind of kind of nudge towards the Seattle Kraken and be like, "Here's here's our sacrifice," you know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Please yeah. don't send Cthulhu on us. 
Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah, and then that only leads uh, leaves Ryan Graves left with Ian, Ian Cole. And I'm totally okay with that defensive pairing. Both big dudes. Both yeah. big, beefy dudes, right? You want that pair. And Ryan Graves, we've already seen what he can do with his plus-minus yeah. last year, man. Ian Cole being with the Pittsburgh Penguins. Much improved last season. His his statistics last year were were uh, like almost similar to what he had uh, when Pittsburgh Penguins won the, won the Stanley Cup that year. Mm-hmm. Um, it's an amazing improvement, and I, I spoke on it, I think, on last podcast, how much I despised Ian Cole before his uh, before his uh, before his double hip surgery last off season. Um, like he was making mistakes defensively, you know, uh, he was leaving players um, unprotected. His passing wasn't that crisp. He wasn't chasing after pucks. I just think, I simply think the guy couldn't move he enough couldn't to move, go right. to go do that. Ow, ow, ow! And you, you uh, I think you were with me that game. Like he made a mistake in the corner, and a guy scored the goal. And I think that was like the last mistake I physically saw him do mm. in a home game. Um, you know, I think I went to all but maybe three home games last year mm-hmm. with my with my season tickets. But, um, you know, he he was drastically improved on both defense and offense. So I think the pairing with Graves could be could, could definitely be a, a game changer for a lot. Um, you know, he's got that. Like you said, they're both big bodies and. Graves is amazing, you know, moving the puck and everything else like that. I occasionally would like to see him get a little more physical. Absolutely. But I, you know, I don't think that has to be the primary part of Graves' game in order for him to continue to be successful uh, in the NHL. I don't think he's going to replace Zadorov, and I don't think he needs to replace Zadorov. I don't think at all. the Avalanche need to need to replace Zadorov. I, I think players just need, you know, stand their ground and. Um, you know, push back when need to. I mean, you saw plenty of times, like, the first big hit that Kale McCarr laid on a guy, and you just saw, you just saw all these Avalanche fans, you heard it in the stands, you saw all these Avalanche fans go, oh my god, it's like a Christmas gift. (laughs) You know? What did we get? (laughs) Here's this rookie, you know, nobody expected him to, like, lay the boom down on somebody. <laughs> so, I mean, it was, it was nice to see. Right. But, uh, uh, and I think that kind of, that kind of mentality needs to rub off on the rest of the team. It was like when McKinnon laid a hit on somebody in the playoffs. Or and, tossed what's-his-face around like he was a rag doll. Yeah. I'm like, <laughs> where do we get some of that? <laughs> yeah, yeah, man. So, uh, it was definitely interesting to see. Um, I mean, I don't see how you can go wrong with any of the pairings, even if you want to mix them up here and there on the defensive side of it. Uh, you know, you want to find you want to find the best possible chemistry, and I think we might see the the line the the defensive pairings change for first couple weeks just to find out where Devin Tays fits best with who. Mm-hmm. I think that's going to be the centerpiece. Where does Devin Tays fit with with who? Is it with Johnson? Is it with Cole? Is it with Graves? Is it with McCarr? You know. Gerard's just kind of sitting there like, I'll play with anybody. <laughs> I just want to play. I just want to play. <laughs> you know, he wasn't the center trade piece in, in the Duchesne trade, uh, but it was a nice piece to have. Yeah. But, uh, you know, I think I think his time, uh, Gerard's time specifically with the Avs is probably coming to a close sooner rather than later. If he doesn't pick it up, absolutely. Yeah. 
Uh, I mean, especially with someone like Bowen Byram just sitting there twiddling his thumbs like, I'm coming for you. <laughs> <laughs> you know, hey, Gerard! Just, Hi. Hi. <laughs> what you doing? What you doing? God, you come out of nowhere. What are you? <laughs> so, we'll, we'll see what happens there. Um, uh, next up, uh, line pairings. You know, who plays first line, who plays second. Uh, you got four lines to fill. With twelve forwards, you know who's going to center each line, who's going to who's going to be on the left, who's going to be on the right, and how do they all gel? Um, obviously, first line center, Nathan, Nathan McKinnon. Great. Yep. I mean, where else are you going to put him? <laughs> Fourth line. <laughs> what? No. Uh, but for all seriousness, yeah, Nathan McKinnon's going to be that first line guy. Um, the question is, who? Lines up with them. Um, usually it's been a combination of Gabriel Landeskog and Miko Rantanen. Or, you know, you'll see somebody else slot up there just to change things up late in games or whatever. Um, and we talked about this off the podcast, but I honestly see Brandon Saad sitting up there on, on his left wing uh, to start. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's he's a top-line player. Uh, with with Chicago, I don't see why he can't do the same thing here. He's a plus, he's a plus twenty goal scorer year in and year out. Um, and you put him, put the put that talent together, and then you have obviously number ninety six Miko Rantanen on the right side of uh, Nate the Great, and I I think that's a perfect first line. Absolutely, uh, I can't wait to see what Brandon Saad you know brings if he brought the. The same fire that we saw in Chicago, uh, especially with the the Stanley Cup teams, you know, uh, I can't wait to see what fire he brings or continues to bring yeah. along with uh, uh, Dennis, you know, with, with Gilbert. Dennis Gilbert, yeah. yeah. And, you know, if, if Dennis Gilbert does get a spot, which isn't impossible, it's, pro- it's probably not likely. He, he'll, I think Gilbert's going to make the active roster and he'll probably be the, the, uh, the additional defenseman. Okay. Right. Um, on the team, if if not him, then Kyle Burrows mm. um, or Connor Timmons, like I was saying. There's so many ways you can go on the defense, just depending on who's hot at that point in time. Mm. Um, and I don't know what the uh, the call up or call down is going to be with the with the taxi squad team because I know the taxi squad team basically gets paid like an AHL salary. Mm. So uh, definitely going to be interesting. Uh, yeah. Uh, and, you know, Miko Rantanen, you know, the guy is playing on his second year of a new contract and, uh, you know, continues to amaze me. Like, how can you sit, you know, at like a 20-degree angle from the net and, you know, just roof a shot over the goalie's shoulder? Um, while, in a space this fucking big. <laughs> in, yeah, in a space so tiny and so small that, you know, you know, it's like, Trying to stick a hot pocket in a toaster. <laughs> the dude's got skill. Yeah. Uh, so it, it, it continues to amaze me the way he plays and just the chemistry that continues to build between those guys. Yeah. Uh, second line, obviously, you know, your second line center, Nazem Kadri. Mm-hmm. He was picked up from Toronto. You know, I don't know if it was Toronto was, you know, disgruntled with Kadri or Kadri was disgruntled with Toronto. But, yeah, apparently picking fights in the playoffs with Boston is not the best <laughs> idea. And results in you getting traded. 
Hey, you know what? Uh, what we had to exchange for him. Uh, and uh, with, I'm with, on the with, fence with Alex Kerfoot. Okay. With, with yeah, Kerfoot, I think was like starting to rub off on me. I, I liked him. But, and you know, trading off Tyson Berry with the defensive talent that we were getting, you know, we're bringing in. I'm like, all right, fine. Bye. See ya. Okay. Have a beautiful time. <laughs> uh, and now Tyson Berry is in uh, Vancouver. So. No, uh, no, Edmonton. Oh, Edmonton. Yeah, he he's, went to Edmonton. He's playing with Connor. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, it's gonna be. He's interesting. in Canada, so <laughs> he's still in Canada. He's 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 Canada's problem now. Yes, absolutely. Uh, so, uh, second line: Nazem Kadri being the center. Um, I've got Gabriel and this sliding down there on the left, and Andre Barakovsky playing the right, even though he's typically a left winger. Okay. Um, again. Burkowski got a new contract in the offseason. Well-deserved contract. I mean, the dude exploded, exploded uh, in points scored and set career records last year. Mm -hmm. So, um, absolutely deserving. And, again, Magic Joe is just plucking people from teams and being like, can you give me 50 points? And they're like, yeah, okay. Uh, okay. I got it. You teach me to hockey? <laughs> I'll teach you anything. Just, Just don't, don't eat me. me. <laughs> <laughs> um, third line, I've got Pierre-Edouard Belmar being that third line center. Okay. Um, and this is where things started getting a little weird as far as who do you put where. Mm -hmm. I mean, obviously Jonas Donskoy is going to go and play the right wing with uh, Pierre-Edouard Belmar. I think they both play well off each other. The question was, who goes to the left wing for them? Um Matt Calvert seems like the obvious choice uh -huh. in this situation, but uh, I like Matt Calvert on the on on my fourth line that I have, and I'll dive into that real quick so we can kind of bounce off of that. Okay. Um, the fourth line, it's going to come down. Valerian uh, Nechuskin is that other winger on that fourth line. It comes down to who's your center going to be? Who's the better player for center? Mm -hmm. Is it the you know? 2016 first round draft pick number 10 overall Tyson Jost or is it JT Comfer who was drafted um, in the second overall in the 2013 draft at number 35 Right. Uh, JT Comfer I think if I'm looking at it from a chemistry standpoint strictly okay. chemistry strictly chemistry okay I think Comfer has a better chemistry with Calvert and Nuchuskin um, they're typically a you know that line is one of the penalty kill lines between Comper, Calvert, and Nichuskin. We've seen them out there time and time again, and I can't count how many shorthanded goals this line has scored for the Avalanche. JT Comper <laughs> against Arizona, the same pe the same same penalty, penalty kill, kill, two goals, two goals, man. Ah, <laughs> oh, that was beautiful. Yeah. You do the math. Oh my goodness. Uh, you know, uh, they should do like a, a MythBusters. Kind of, kind of deal on that. Yeah. Uh, that, that hardly that that's a super rare feat. I don't think it's ever been done. Uh, I don't think in Colorado Avalanche history. I don't. I think don't so. think it's been done in NHL history for the same player to score two goals on the same penalty kill. Oh my! Oh, nice, short, yeah. two short-handed goals. I I have no clue about that. Let's yeah. call up Mark Mosier. Yo, <laughs> hey guts, I got a question for you. You get you guys on this. Um, I think we both kind of fell into the same agreement that Comfort would be the the, the better pick. 
to center that line. Uh, personally, for me, uh, if I look at it, you know, over the over the last three years, so, so the 2017, 18, 2017 18, 18, 19, 19, 20, the last three seasons with the Avalanche uh, for both these players. Um, Comfer in 2017-18, 13 goals, 10 assists for 23 points. Tyson Jost, 12 goals, 10 assists for 22. Um, uh, the following year, Comfer had 16 goals, 16 assists. Tyson had 11 goals, 15 assists. And then last year, 11 goals, 20 assists for Comfer, 8 goals, 15 assists for, for Jost. Um, uh, Comfer's played... Uh, um, trying to do quick math in my head. That's never fun. <laughs> 17, 22. Uh, yeah, forget it. I'm at, it's uh, almost 190 games. Uh, they both played about the similar number of games overall. Um, and their face-off percentages, which is what you want from a center. You want good face-off percentage numbers. Uh, believe it or not, are equal. Um. So I just uh, I'm looking at Tyson Jost stuff, and the faceoff percentages there are oh, way different yeah. than uh, what we got listed. So, uh, yeah, based off of that information, so you've got a faceoff percentage of thirty six point six, thirty seven point six, and thirty three point three over the last three seasons, uh, which is way different than what we got for uh, uh, JT Comper. Comper's got a forty five point one, forty nine point two. And a forty-seven point seven percent over the last three seasons. Mm. Um, Comfort is obviously based on those numbers off of uh, the NHL app and uh, the Avalanche Facebook uh, Avalanche page. Um, Comfort is a much better choice to center that fourth line. Mm -hmm. um, so, um, which begs the question: Is just done? With the Colorado Avalanche after this season, uh, I don't think he's done with the Colorado Avalanche. I think it's it's kind of like a he's not. Let's put it this way: he's not in Samuel Gerard's shoes, mm. obviously, because Gerard kind of fell off the grid a little bit. But I also think that Jost has you know uh, what we said. Comfort was twenty thirteen draft, right? 2013 draft, second was, round, number 35 for Comfort, and Jost was a first round, 10th overall in 2016. This is technically his fifth season with the uh, Colorado Avalanche. Right, so you, you can make an argument that uh, Jost hasn't had the experience that Comfort has, or hasn't had the, the time to develop those skills that Comfort has. And those two, obviously, you know, we're not talking, oh, McKinnon versus Graves here. Like, yeah. we're, we're not talking that big of a dif difference in echelon and player. We're talking about two centermen who know how to do their job. Yeah. But just based off of experience and inexperience, it's just a difference. That's, that's, that's all it is. Okay. Um, so, so, go ahead. Based on, based on that, I mean, you look at the future uh, as far as a forward goes, and you get somebody like Alex Newhook who may be joining the the Avalanche roster uh, next season, um, and with the expansion draft coming up, you know obviously we we hinted at uh, Sam Girard possibly being um, the odd man out in the future with the Colorado Avalanche. I I personally think that 
Tyson Jost might be that odd man out moving forward. Mm -hmm. um, we spoke briefly on it. Um, you know, being a first-round draft pick comes with a lot of pressure. Mm -hmm. um, some live up to it, some don't. Nathan McKinnon was a first overall draft pick in, in his draft class, and he's lived up to that hype. You know, he continues to prove that he's an MVP candidate year in, year out, every season. Uh, and, you know, Tyson Jost drafted number one, or number 10 in his draft class in the first round. Um, how far off, you know, how far off is the talent, the, the amount of talent from a number one draft pick to a number 10 draft pick? You know, and now that I think about it, I think there, there has to be a lot. There has to be a lot because it, based off of that class, you know, there could be just, you know, one or two guys at that position that are superstar material. And then the rest, while most are hit, most of them... Some are fair amount are misses, yeah. Exactly. And some, some of them are unknown, you know. So I think, uh, or just average. We can say average and call it, you know, spade a spade. You know, average is average. Just to me seems a little below average at this point. So to answer your question, I think there's a huge gap between being the first overall pick and being number 10 in the same round. I, I, I totally get it. I, I, I would say there's a huge amount of difference. Okay. Um, so to wrap up a uh, little sidetrack there, but mm -hmm. you know we were trying to identify who our fourth line center would be. Right. Uh, uh, the, that left winger... Um, I had mentioned Matt Calvert. I wanted to put Matt Calvert down on that fourth line with Comfer and Nechuskin. I just like their chemistry from what I've seen on the ice at games mm -hmm. and everything else. Which begs the question, who do you push up to that third that third line on the left wing? I mean, um, looking at this list, after everybody else you know, is slotted, uh, you have... The names that jump off the page to me would be a... Logan O'Connor or a Martin Kaup? I think you put Logan O'Connor out there. Specifically because we talked a little bit about this, how that's the heart line, right? Yeah. So, uh, Logan O'Connor seems to me like to be a third liner. Just not only because he's a rookie, but rookies typically, uh, well, most of the good ones, tend to be kind of reserved mm -hmm. in, in, in their play. And I think Logan O'Connor, we saw a lot from him last year. Yeah, we saw a lot from him in the playoffs, uh, yeah. especially after losing Gabriel Landeskog. Um, Jonas, and, right? Jonas and, and, and Jonas Donskoy. <laughs> sorry. Uh, a little tongue-tied right there. And Matt Calvert. You, you, you lose three wingers in the span of, you know, six games. And Logan O'Connor, you know, gets the call up, you know, uh, <laughs> Hey, get off your couch, come to the bubble, we need you, right. uh, kind of call. And, you know, immediately hits the ice, and you can just see the passion flowing from this kid, mm -hmm. s you know, streaking up and down the ice, just trying to lay the hit or help move the puck or do it, you know, doing whatever the coach needs him to do. Mm -hmm. It's what you expect from a, from a young player who's getting the call up to try and play, especially in the playoffs. Right. Uh, it's not something that comes easy. So, um... Unless you're Kiyama Carr. 
I'm not Shaquille McCarty, and it's just like, oh yeah, a goal on my first shift and my first game. Not, From none other than Nathan McKinnon, I know that. That's not an issue, dude. That game was loud. I, you know, when he scored that goal, that was just phenomenal. I'm so glad I decided, I'm like, maybe there's a ticket available, and you know, and thank you, flash seats, uh, for such a memorable moment. Yeah, so to answer your question, I put Logan O'Connor on the heart line. Okay. On the, on the left winger. So that would be Logan O'Connor with Pierre-Edouard Belmar and Jonas Donskoy, mm-hmm. uh, which makes, in my mind, a great heart line. Um, if, you know, um, I know uh, Altitude, you know, Kyle Keefe and uh, Mark Mosher and them have hinted on a couple times, just seeing Pierre-Edouard Belmar um, pregame, you know, just kind of, you know, skating around, falls on his knees, slides into somebody, bumps up, and, and they kind of look at him like, what the... Oh, it's oh, you. Okay, right. I got it, man. You're just trying to loosen us up and have a little fun. He's got such a lighthearted attitude, and they, you know, I think that just comes with his personality. Probably, yeah. He's French. <laughs> <laughs> He's a great guy. <laughs> uh, but I mean, it's amazing. To, it's amazing to see on this team, and, and you know what they're capable of. And uh, I think I think the future is very, very bright for this Avalanche team. And what we see, so I, I absolutely cannot wait until uh, um, a week from Wednesday to see this first game against St. Louis Blues, um, which we will highlight the St. Louis roster in our next episode, so you guys have an idea of who to see and everything else. And we'll touch on um, some developments in the NHL, and then we'll wrap it up. But right now, we're going to take a quick break, and we'll get back to you guys in just a moment. All written down. Okay, cool. And we're back uh, here to talk about and talk about some NHL breaking news and updates and wrap things up and uh, uh, present you guys with some just little tidbits here and there. Uh, first things first is the NHL announced a return to uh, the origins of hockey, if you want to call it, and what they call their or what news outlets are deeming the Mystery Alaska series. Uh, as most of us know, the Colorado Avalanche were supposed to go to Sweden and play an international series, but due to COVID, that obviously got canceled. So they uh, presented the Mystery Alaska series, which is two games taking place over a two-day period at Lake Tahoe, um, with the Avalanche taking on the Las Vegas Golden Knights, and I believe the Philadelphia Flyers taking on the Boston Bruins. On the 20th and 21st, respectively. Yeah, which uh, part of me is just like, why the hell would you fly Philadelphia and Boston uh, across the country to from their bus route division <laughs> to play a, a, a game on on the ice, you know, on Lake Tahoe? But I guess you have to offer it to two teams in each conference, right? So to speak, Canada is just like, well, we want to no. <laughs> You go play somewhere else. <laughs> you go play in Alberta. Have fun. Uh, uh, it's definitely an interesting take. No fans are going to be in attendance, obviously. Uh, I think they say they're they're uh, trying to go as minimalistic as possible for this uh, this two game series, mm-hmm. um, and I think it's just going to be you know uh, the the teams themselves, um, team management. Um, you know, player the the workers to put everything together and probably uh, minimal media, like a skeleton crew. Man. Yeah, <laughs> let's get the let's get that uh, 
Let's get that camera that flies up and down the football field <laughs> strung up somewhere so we can. Yeah, it, it'll be interesting. I'm actually kind of looking forward to it to see uh, see how it goes. Hell yeah, man! Especially against the Knights, you know. I mean, who who else can forget? You know, uh, the Vikings. Great. Uh, it was a it was a shootout, wasn't it? The shootout goal past Mark Andre Fleury to win the game. I think so. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that was that was beautiful, man. And, yeah. And I mean, much deserved on on, on nature's ice rink, man. I can't oh, wait yeah. to see I mean, it. You know, it's definitely going to be entertaining to see. I, I can't wait to see what happens there. Um, just a few updates on various players throughout the league. Um, uh, Tory Krug has signed with the St. Louis Blues. Um, uh, no longer with Boston. He played eight years in Boston. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if Boston's finally seeing some of that salary cap issue come around or if it's just them ready to move on from... Uh, uh, some of their older players, because they have younger players in the system that are ready to come up and give it a shot. I haven't really been keeping track of Boston's younger players, uh, with the exception either. of Pasternak, just because yeah. you know he's he's the and kind of at the head of everything. Mm. Um, well, it seems to be anyway. Um, but seeing Zdeno Chara go was a little bit of a surprise. I'm not gonna lie. Tori Krug, yeah, that was. I mean. What else can you say about Tory Krug aside from being undrafted and having as big as impact as he yeah. did, and then going to St. Louis, signing with St. Louis, thus as you mentioned, the replacement for Alex Petrangelo, exactly. who uh, went from St. Louis and signed uh, signed a free agent contract to go play with the Vegas Golden Knights, who uh, are still facing um, some salary cap issues yeah. in that signing. So, uh, congratulations, Vegas. Have fun with uh, your uh, forthcoming penalties from the NHL. Um, uh, and you had mentioned Zadino Chara. I, I texted you this information that Zadino Chara had signed with the Washington Capitals mm-hmm. after 14 years of uh, playing in Boston and being their captain. Of course, I believe he's 40. Uh, he's around that age, yeah. He's not as, like I said, I think he's a, a year or two behind Jumbo, jo- Jumbo Joe Thornton. For longest tenured player playing in the NHL right now, yeah. So I think he's he's got to be up there. Man. Yeah, I think he I think he's forty, uh, which would, in my mind, I kind of understand why Boston would want to move on from him, uh, especially if Charo's like I still want to play. Right. Um, so now you have Ovechkin and Chara both playing in Washington. Um, uh, I I see that being an interesting mix. I don't see how Chara's gonna really. I don't see how he fits with Washington. I don't see how he fits in his fucking uniform. <laughs> I mean, the, the man's a giant, man. No, but I, I don't. I mean, I don't know. He gets a freshly made uniform every time because when they wash it, it shrinks. <laughs> no, uh. but like you know, I don't see how he fits in the plan either. However, I mean, look at the penalty kill. You know, I mean, Char was always out there. Yeah. For the penalty kill. Always. You know, a good head on his shoulders. Obviously the captain for the Boston Bruins for a reason. Good leadership. Hard, you know, hard Hard-nosed work. player, yeah. Exactly. On and off the ice, man. I can't wait to see what happens on the bus route. Uh, specifically on the bus route with uh, Boston and Washington, you know, playing in the... They are playing in the same division, aren't they? Yeah. Yeah. So, I, I'm curious to see what's going to happen, man. So... I mean, all I gotta say is fireworks are gonna be happening in every team's uh, respective divisions, man. You <laughs> There's know? gonna be an explosion of 
who knows what. <laughs> exactly, yeah. I mean, all we know is there could be a, a, a solid check on the ice on a bus outside explodes. Who knows? Yeah, exactly. Um, so, staying with Washington, um, some really heartbreaking news for them and for NHL fans across across the country and, and you know, in other parts of the world as well. Henrik Lundqvist um, signed a deal with the Washington Capitals in the offseason to come and play goalie for them. Um, more specifically, I think, to play in tandem with Samsonov, who's a second-year goaltender for the Washington Capitals, who has now been thrust into the starting position as uh, the Washington Capitals and Henrik Lundqvist both announced he will miss the entire season mm-hmm. uh, with a heart condition. Yeah. It's now been um, uh, reported from Henrik himself that he is undergoing open-heart surgery um, to repair um, some issues that apparently have been sitting dormant for some time. Um, I'm surprised it didn't come to light sooner than now. Um, so from uh, from my standpoint, and I'm pretty sure from yours, you know, Henrik Lundqvist is a well-known name within the hockey community as far as goaltenders go, and mm-hmm. nobody, you know, he he's he reminds me of what Ovechkin's been through. You know, I I said it before that season before the Capitals won a cup. I'm like Ovechkin's never going to win a cup with the Capitals. He's going to have to go somewhere else to win his cup. And um, I think that's what this move was for Henrik Lundqvist, was to go somewhere else and try to win a cup. Mm-hmm. And now he's not going to get that chance this year, and he may not get that chance. Yeah. Um, you know, who knows if he's going to be able to return to the NHL and play again. Yeah. So um, my my heart's a little heavy hearing the news with uh, Henrik Lundqvist and what he's going through. But best wishes go out to him and his family, uh, and, you know, hope, hoping for the best. Hard to hate the that type of king, man. Yeah. I mean, he's, he's the only king I think I've ever uh, been happy to watch. <laughs> you know, king, we'll, you know, everybody, every, you know, everybody kind of just, like, stops breathing when King Henry's in that, and you're, and you're watching him play, because yeah. the dude, the dude had a knack for it, he had the talent for it, and there's anybody deserving of a Stanley Cup as far as a goaltender goes uh, in this day and age. Uh, King Henry's one of them. Mm-hmm. Um, moving on from that, um, let's just dive into the Chicago Blackhawks. <laughs> oh my God. Uh, who might as well be a dumpster fire uh, in the South Division this, uh, this upcoming season. It's, uh, it's not looking good this year. That's to, to, yeah. we're not even started. We haven't even started what training camp. Training camp hasn't even. Well, technically, the Blackhawks did start training camp because I believe they were one of the teams that were excluded from the playoffs. No, or did they? No, make they it? beat the Oilers. To Got be it. Gotcha. One of the last. So they start of... training camp tomorrow. Yeah. Uh, their woes started back on December twenty third, <laughs> as uh, Team Canada was playing an exhibition game against Team Russia. Yep. And their, uh, I believe he was supposed to be a rookie this year. Yeah, I think he was the captain for Team Canada, Kirby Doc. Yeah, Kirby Doc, unfortunately during the exhibition match, (laughs) ran into, the way it's described, was he ran into a a Russian player around center ice. And injured, I say with quotation marks, air quotations, 
injured his wrist, mm-hmm. which would see him see, uh, probably you know probably wouldn't see him on the ice this season. Um, I think it was a couple days later, not even a day later, the the image surface of <laughs> Kirby Doc's wrist. Uh, to put it into words. <laughs> I put it into a sideways lightning bolt. Yeah. Like, imagine the Tampa Bay lightning bolt logo, but imagine that's, like, Kirby Doc's wrist. wrist. Yeah. <laughs> uh, that that would be a good way to describe it, and the way I saw it is it, looks like, it looked like... It looked like there were no bones present. <laughs> uh, it, it literally looked like somebody, like... You know, I, I, I compared it to a scene from Harry Potter and the Prisoner of Azkaban where... Uh, Harry Potter breaks his wrist during a Quidditch match, and uh, Professor Lockhart tries to repair it with a spell that just doesn't work out and eliminates all the bones from the arm. That's exactly what it looked like. It yeah. just looked like a floppy mess, and it literally looked like it shaped like an S. And I, I'm sitting there, and I'm like, "How does Kirby Kirby Doc's either got to be hyped up on all these painkillers, or <laughs> passed out when they took that photo?" Because me personally, like looking at that fo- that that photo, I was like, <laughs> I just, it was it was bad. Well, you know, and, and if you watch the video, it's like he collides with him, goes down, immediately pulls off his glove, and then skates like makes a beeline for the hallway to the locker room. Yeah, it's like <laughs> he hits the ice. He kind of he's like, oh man, my wrist really hurts. Takes off the glove and goes. Oh shit! <laughs> and skates off the ice. Yeah, you know, and obviously, you know, Kirby Doc wouldn't have made a difference to Team Canada if he was there or not, because they're below. They blew up the group play stage. Yeah, um, it just seems like they're just moving right along. <laughs> Literally, you know, <laughs> we. <laughs> so uh, Kirby Doc's out. Yeah, uh, and may not see the ice this season for the Chicago Blackhawks yep. unless they make the playoffs and uh, bring them back. Yeah. Uh, so in, uh, moving on to another... Uh, two two heavy, of the three players. <laughs> a heavy hit for the Chicago Blackhawks. Uh, Jonathan Tays, star player, uh, leader on the team, is had announced that he is out indefinitely with a health condition, an uh-huh. undisclosed health condition. Uh, we're unsure as to what this health condition is or what's going on. Um, if we get more information on that, we'll happily update uh, all you guys out there listening to us. Um, but what does this do for Chicago's chances? I mean, you look at a team that was that struggled last year with a healthy Jonathan Taze and um, their rookie... I can't remember his name. Or, you know, uh, they had a player. Yeah, they had a rookie last year. He was in running for rookie of the year. Um, can't remember I his name. I think it was Doc. Was it Doc? I think so. I don't know. Yeah. They had a player last year that was in running for rookie of the year. But uh, it, you know, it's it's de- detrimental to this team. And they, you know, they didn't they they struggled mightily uh, to put points on the board and to win games. Uh, and sat towards the bottom of the league last year. Kubalik. Kubalik, yes, there was. you go. Yeah. I, I was like, I know it wasn't Doc. <laughs> but um, but Kubalik was there, and I think they're going to rely more heavily on Kubalik this year. 
especially with Taze out. But yeah. I don't think you're going to, I don't think even if with the sophomore slump and everything that happens in the second year of a career for any person, whether you're a professional athlete or not, uh, there's always that second year just kind of, eh, right. for a lot. Um, with them applying more pressure to Kubelik to perform, will he succeed? or? You know what? But I'm not entirely sure, just because uh, I don't know. Uh, I don't know how they can function without, without Taze. Yeah, without without Taze, without that leadership. Obviously, they can win. They can win. They have enough talent to win. Um, you know, as we saw with the legacy, we put two or three star players and combine almost anybody else. They were able to win five yeah. cups in six years with coaching. Everything falling into place, teamwork, yeah. and essentially chemistry, right? Yeah. While the Chicago Blackhawks do have that chemistry, I'm not. I'm not convinced as a fan. I'm not convinced that Chicago's on that line again. You know what I mean? And I see that. I mean, Kirby Doc's out. Jonathan Taze is out. Patrick Kane's sitting somewhere, going, "What? What do you want me to do?" <laughs> He's like, I, I'm just one person. I'm just one guy. And Kubelik's like, well, I'm here too. Shut up. <laughs> I know Shut you're up, here. Shut up, boo. I know you're here, but what are we going to do? Uh, you know. Uh, so it's, it's definitely going to be interesting to see what Chicago can do. Uh, playing in the, I think they're playing in the South Division. Um, you know. So, oh, excuse me. Oh, Bless his heart. And I was I was just thinking, because I'm pretty sure Corey Crawford signed with another team because Chicago cut, uh, let him go. You know, he signed with... Who did he sign with? P.K. Subban and the New Jersey Devils. Oh, goodness. Yeah. I think his career is pretty much done. Crawford's like, I'll, <laughs> I'll sign with anybody. Just give, throw some money at me. Uh, yeah, and that was something I was going to bring up. Crawford's no longer there. Scott Darling's no longer in Chicago. Mm-hmm. Who is their starting? Who is going to be their starting goaltender? Um, Did I thought Subban's younger brother was? Uh, I don't. I didn't think he was with the Vegas anymore. I thought he might have signed with Chicago. I I currently have to look up Chicago because apparently I'm yeah. Well, we'll, 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 <laughs> well, Mike's looking that up. I'm going to touch on uh, touch on the uh, let's say free agent bust. Of uh, this past off season, all right. Uh, Taylor Hall. Here's a player who started his career with Edmonton, I believe, mm-hmm. then went to New Jersey, and obviously things didn't work out in New Jersey, and got traded off to the Arizona Coyotes uh, at the at the trade deadline, and that obviously helped Arizona push their way into a playoff position based off of the COVID stuff last year, and. You know, there's speculation among many people about Taylor Hall. Oh, bring him to Colorado or bring him here. And then, no, 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 we don't, we don't want Taylor Hall here. Uh, all, all sides point to no because his attitude or ego or whatever you want to call it hasn't been ideal. Right. You're talking about a former, he was the number one draft pick, wasn't he? Uh, I have to look that up, but that sounds... I think he was. Uh, yeah. he, he was a top draft pick. It was, I mean, it's Edmonton, you know, who drafted him. So I'm pretty sure they spent a, a, a top draft pick on him, and it hasn't worked. It didn't work out. 
But now he's with the Buffalo Sabres. Um, I thought you wanted to win a championship. <laughs> well, here's another question to think about, too. Jack Eichel still being with Buffalo. How's Eichel and Hall, how's, how's that chemistry going to work, do you think? Ooh, I, I, it's going to be interesting to see. I, you know, will they play them on the same line? Will they play them on, you know, two different lines? Uh, will they start on two different lines? And occasionally the coach is like, I want you both out there on the ice. And they both just kind of glance at each other and it's like, all right, but I'm not going to like it. <laughs> Fine, but I'm going to bitch the whole time. <laughs> he didn't pass me the puck. He didn't do this. He, yeah, who knows what's going to happen there? Uh, um, I I think this is going to be a true test of Taylor Hall in general. Um, you know, I don't think, uh, you know, GMs talk, or, coaches talk. Yeah, and in Joe's case, he kind of just does sorcery. But yeah, okay, I see what you mean. Well, Magic Joe's Magic Joe, <laughs> but when it comes to the attitude of a player, mm-hmm. especially somebody with uh, a draft, a high draft pick next to their name, when you're looking at stats and mm-hmm. uh, references and stuff like that, coaches talk when it comes to is this player worthy of our time? Does right. he fit our scheme? Is he going to gel? You know all this other stuff. Right. And I, I think most teams kind of took a look at that with uh, with Taylor Hall, and that kind of turned them off. Right. Which is why Taylor Hall ended up in a place like Buffalo. Buffalo's just like, we'll take whatever we can get. We just want to be competitive. <laughs> we want to matter again. <laughs> we we can we please go back to the eighties? <laughs> no, unfortunately, we can't go back. Uh, you know, can't go back to that time. Um, you know, you can bring back your retro look all you want. <laughs> just uh, doesn't impact your play. You. <laughs> uh, on that subject of uh, following up on the goalie situation. Goaltender for Chicago, yes. Yeah, so they have uh, three goalies. Uh, Colin Delia, I'm pretty sure I'm saying that right. Colin Delia, uh, Malcolm Subban, which is P.K. Subban's yep. younger brother. And then uh, this guy, I'm not entirely sure, Lincolnin, Kevin Lincolnin. So they have three goalies. Uh, Subban, I think, was a backup for Mark Andre Fleury. In, he uh, was backup for Vegas. Fleury when he was in Vegas, yeah. and it sounds like he's there. Uh, I'm not familiar with the other two names. I'd mm-hmm. have to look into them a little bit more. Um, but it sounds like Subban's going to be the the guy yeah. in Chicago, uh, which I don't think is going to last very long. Um, these other two names, like I said, I'll have to look into them and see if there's, uh, um, if these were high draft picks for the, for the Blackhawks or, uh, uh, something of that nature. Mm Um, um, speaking of high draft picks and, uh, goalie talent and stuff like that, um, back to Eustace and Noonan, um, which I, you know brought up in uh, our last podcast talking about uh, mm-hmm. world junior prospects and stuff. He's not a world world junior championship prospect because he's playing in Finland with, yeah, with right. the top professional league there. But um, I had posted, uh, I, I had responded to the I Heart Colorado Avalanche uh, page on Facebook. Mm-hmm. And they, you know, they were talking about all these players and blah, blah, blah. And I, you know, they were talking about goalies and there's somebody 
somebody had commented about the goalie situation, and I'm like, you know, Philip Grubauer and Pavel Francouz, they are stop gappers right now. You know, we're they're here until their contracts run out. And um, I was like, I, you know, even though training camp is just about to get started for the 2020-2021 season, I was looking at, I was looking forward to next year and the year after that with Eustace and Noonan. Um, you know, we're talking about, oh, I can't wait to see Eustace and Noonan playing with the Colorado Avalanche. I mean, mm-hmm. the dude's a franchise goaltender type caliber. Right. You know, and the Avalanche wouldn't be sitting pat with him and be like, no, no, you do your thing in Finland, we're okay right now. Right. Unless they had extreme faith in this guy being, <laughs> yeah. you know, something amazing in the future. Um, I see him coming in, in uh, next year after the expansion draft, come, being invited to training camp, you know, getting a taste of the NHL, with probably some preseason games or something, but probably spending the majority of next season with the Colorado Eagles. And uh, hopefully in 2022 into the 2023 season, God, that's so far away. But Eustace and Noonan, if you guys haven't heard about this kid, this kid is 20 years old, playing in the highest professional league in Finland. He won a good golden gold. He won a gold medal with the Finland team in uh, the World Junior Championships in 2018. Uh, the kid's legit at 20 years old. Um, you know, and to get a goalie at that age into the NHL, you know, before he's 25, is something incredible. So uh, somebody to keep our eyes on as far as uh, future NHL talent with the Colorado Avalanche. I'll keep that in mind. I'll be, I'll be curious to see what number he is. It'll be interesting. Definitely interesting to kind of see what number he might wear. I'm not sure what number he wears right now, so um, I have to look into it. But I, 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 I watch his stats mostly. I'm not... Not as concerned with the no- jersey number just quite yet, but I feel a new jersey coming soon. <laughs> um, anyway, that's what we got for you guys uh, as far as today's podcast. Uh, I'm finally starting to get a little bit better at managing segments and episodes right. and stuff like that. So uh, we broke it down into segments for you guys on all the different topics. Uh, as always, I want to thank you guys for taking the time to listen to us. This podcast, I think, is about an hour and a half long. Uh, so take your time when you're listening, do it, listen to us while you're doing your laundry, doing the dishes, or just, you know, in your car driving to and from work in uh, rush hour traffic during the day. Um, wish you all the best. Happy New Year to everybody. And in our upcoming episode, I think we said we were going to discuss the St. Louis Blues roster, what that looks like as they are our first opponent for the first two games of the season. And then moving forward, we will, um, we will... Um, talk about the the games in a um, post-game format. On Saturdays, we will discuss the games of the previous week for the Avalanche. Um, we'll break it down into what I'm going to call the good, the bad, and the ugly uh, about about the team. And hopefully it's mostly good uh, and there's not so much ugly. Um, the ugly could be something as simple as, oh, McKinnon broke a skate. <laughs> <laughs> who knows but that's our that's our hope here at, in the crease avalanche review um as always if you guys have any comments or questions about the podcast please shoot a message over to king cole rmsr at gmail.com or you can send it to scott cole at rocky mountain sr.com uh, again thank you for taking the time to listen to us if you like the show, please subscribe to it. You can find us on anchor.fm uh, in the crease 
Avalanche Review is the title of the show. Uh, you can also find us on Spotify as well, as Spotify is a sponsor of Anchor.fm. Um, I will post a link to this podcast on our Rocky Mountain Sports Report page on Facebook and, uh, and also in the group. Uh, I would love to hear comments from you guys and feedback on what you guys think about the podcast or anything you'd like us to discuss in an upcoming episode. Um, for me, that's it. I'm looking forward to the season. January, tomorrow is uh, training camp opens. Excited to see what happens there. Unfortunately, we can't attend games. Uh, we can't attend training camp or anything else like that. But we are roughly 11 days away from our first game of the season. And I, for one, am super pumped. Oh, my God. It's finally here, man. Almost almost completely here. Like, it's here a little bit. It's almost, like, fully here, though. <laughs> I wish you guys could just see the hand gestures like, explaining <laughs> that. Totally amazing. Um as always, thank you guys for listening to us and taking time out of your day to let us talk your ear a little bit about some uh, some hockey, both NHL and Colorado Avalanche related. Uh, hopefully uh, you guys enjoyed the show. And uh, that's it for me. Mike, any closing thoughts, statements? I cannot wait to see what the Avs pull off in this 50 game, 56-game shortened season, man. Can't wait. I'm excited. I'm pumped. I'm ready to go play NHL 21 right now. Yeah, uh, me too. I'm going to go open up my Be a Pro. Unfortunately, I'm with the New York Rangers. So, Ugh, uh, we'll see what happens there. What, what? Real quick before we close, what team is your Be a Pro a part of? Abs. Oh, did you? I you, chose. He yeah. chose it. I chose it. See, I let the game choose for me. Yeah. That's probably where my mistake is. But <laughs> anyway, uh, thank you guys. Please check us out. Uh, we will uh, uh, hopefully hear back from you guys. This podcast was recorded January 2nd, 2021. We're finally out of 2020. So we all survived. Um, hopefully you were like me and stood on your back porch and screamed Jumanji at midnight because uh, we all need a little bit of that magic. Uh, I, I, so have a great night, everybody, and we'll see you guys on the other side.